You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. This episode is brought to you by Ancestral Elements Supplements. If you're looking for whole food, high quality, wild crafted supplements, look at Ancestral Elements Supplements. I offer a liver and colostrum supplement as well as a wild bear clover tincture. With my background in food science, I'm able to personally formulate and create my own supplement line to ensure the integrity and quality of each product. In both supplements that I offer, none contain any fillers. They're strictly 100% food items, making them completely bioavailable and non-disruptive to the gut microbiome. For further information, go to AncestralElements.com and navigate to the supplements page. Now, here's the episode. Hi, and welcome back to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. This is episode 55, New Year, Same You. This week, we're going to be diving into the new fad diets of 2022. I want to talk about kind of what this year has in store as far as the popular culture and the narrative surrounding diet and nutrition. As with any year, there's always new fad diets and new approaches kind of masquerading as nutrition that come with the beginning of a year because people jump on the diet train They want to get healthy. They want to start the year with a new outlook or longevity. You know, it's a time that people make those resolutions. And the diet industry and the nutrition industry at large capitalizes on it. So I want to go through a list, basically, of the most popular diets that are going to be pushed this year. Not only so you kind of know what's coming up, but so you're not swayed by those different types of diets. And we're going to kind of break them down one by one. And in other news, I got COVID over the holidays, like so many other people have. I was virtually asymptomatic. I had about 12 hours of slight body aches, followed by kind of mild cold-like symptoms. And I'm pretty much back to normal. It's been about a week um, since... I tested positive, and it really wasn't that bad. But I did a lot to combat it. Took a lot of zinc and vitamin C and all my tinctures, reishi, chaga, a lot of other things to kind of supplement and boost up the immune system. Um, And it all had an effect, definitely. You know, it's a good reminder that this is the reason to be healthy, and this is the reason to really prioritize your diet and nutrition. Because when you do contract something, it's not going to take you out for weeks on end. You know, I was out walking a couple miles every single day. I drove from Washington State down to California. I had energy and I've had energy through the entire sickness. And so if you need a reason to prioritize your nutritional health, it's for this very thing. It's so when you are susceptible to especially very novel sicknesses, like the one going around at the moment, you can recover quickly and not be completely laid out by it, not be completely hindered by it, because we're all going to get sick. Everybody gets sick. That's just the way of the world. But if you can maintain good baseline metabolic and robust health, then you don't have to worry about it as much because it's not going to take you out. That should be the foundational reason why you're keeping up with your nutrition and good dietary practices. If you're doing it for another reason, it could be very specific, but that should always be a baseline result of any type of dietary practice you're partaking in. 
it should be for overall robust health. Now, you can tweak it and tailor it to your specific needs, whether it's weight loss or autoimmune regulation or whatever it is. But if you approach diet and nutrition essentially like preventative medicine, then you're going to be far better off than just looking at food through the lens of fuel or convenience. So know why you're eating the food you're eating, and you should know exactly what it's doing to your body. Which leads me to new popular fad diets of 2022. What you're going to see most of in the coming months, and years for that matter, is a shift towards a lot more plant-based. Now this shift has been happening for about the past decade. But it's really starting to hit the mainstream. There's a lot of industries that are starting to back this idea of eating plant-based. Diets like flexitarian, where people are eating a couple of vegan meals per week. And a lot more convenient plant-based products on the market. Like Beyond Burger Meat and all of those kind of convenience foods that are plant-based. Which none are actually healthy, I might add. They are extremely processed, and the industry that it takes to produce them has many faults. And if you ever look into what it takes to actually produce something like Beyond Burger Meat, it's highly expensive and requires vast amounts of human inputs, which is the exact opposite of sustainability. So be prepared and be ready for kind of a flood of plant-based idealism that is going to get floated in 2022 because really it's an emerging industry and it's here to stay for the moment now it's up to you whether you choose to engage in that or not but you need to understand it's an industry and not an industry that is solely based on health like any industry it's going to be profit driven and so there's pitfalls that come with that and when you're looking and assessing any type of new diet and when I say new, I'm talking anytime within the last 10,000 years or so. When you're looking at a diet like veganism, you need to understand where veganism came from. And I talked about this in the carnivore and vegan episode, but I want to give you guys kind of a reminder of why veganism gained popularity to begin with. Vegetarianism is very different than veganism. I'm all for somebody who wants to engage in vegetarianism if they do it wisely and if they really make sure they're balancing their diet around some animal foods look if you don't want to eat meat that is totally fine and you can not eat meat in a very healthy way there are many other animal products besides muscle meat that you can engage with to round and bolster out a very healthy diet i'll just put that out there right now when you move to veganism Cutting out an entire kingdom, the animal kingdom, out of your diet, that leads you to tons of lack, lack in diversity and lack of nutrients. Veganism never stemmed from health. It was never developed from a place of health. Veganism was developed from a place of ethics and animal cruelty. It was developed by Donald Watson in his 30s, I might add when he didn't like seeing animals slaughtered on his family farm. That is a very different approach to food and nutrition. And if that's what he believed, then that's great. But it's gained so much momentum that people don't even know where it came from 
or how it even got started. How many vegans out there have no idea the history of veganism? Because all they see are headlines in the news that plant-based or vegan diets are healthy, and they take that to the extreme end of things, where they figure if they cut out all animal foods, it must be healthier. And that's just false. It's false thinking. But as more and more people pick it up in the popular culture, they don't look into the nuances and the merits and how a diet actually began. And that's the real issue. People don't know that the founder of veganism wasn't vegan until he was well into adulthood. And what other people don't know is that no good dietitian or doctor will recommend veganism for development. In other words, for young kids. And if you want to look at whether or not a diet has sustainability throughout your life and future generations, you have to look at it. That's how you should be assessing whether or not you should be partaking in a particular diet or lifestyle. Does it have generational longevity to it? If the answer is no, don't engage in that diet because it's not a healthy diet. A vegan diet may work for a number of years for a 30-year-old who switches from a standard American diet to incorporating more whole foods in their diet, right? No question about it. It's better than a standard American diet, but a standard American diet is the worst possible diet anybody could ever be on, period. Worse than veganism, and I'm not saying veganism is healthy, but when you look at a diet, you have to have a perspective that's bigger than yourself, that goes beyond your health, which veganism doesn't. Infants that are raised in a vegan household on a strict vegan diet don't develop well. They're hindered, which is what you do not want for childhood nutritional development. It sets the stage for very unhealthy kids and adults. That's a bad diet. There may be a time and a place to use it briefly if you're trying to clear something up or lose a little weight. I'm not saying it's a terrible diet to dip into, but you have to know why you're doing it, and you have to know the history of the diet. So this idea of a flexitarian diet that's going to gain popularity is not necessarily a terrible thing. Adding in a vegan meal here and there, not an awful thing to do. But I, I think a better way to approach it is what I'm going to call seasonal flexitarianism. In other words, if you're going to incorporate a little more veganism, quote-unquote, into your diet, do it in the spring when the plants have tender meristematic growth and do it with as many wild plants as you possibly can. Go get those wild plants off of the landscape. Things like wild leeks or onion or garlic or at the very least grow those things yourself and eat that way in the spring because that's the time your body is ready and prepared for that type of food. You have to base it on microbiome seasonality. And that's where all these diets are falling flat because nobody is considering the seasonality of the microbiome and the preparedness of somebody's body to utilize those particular nutrients. There's not enough nuance to a quote-unquote flexitarian diet. It's too generalistic, you know? People saying incorporate two or three vegan meals a week, you know, that might be decent advice if somebody's eating McDonald's three times a day, but it's not good advice if you want good, robust general health 
and you really want a good foundation in nutrition. Because people are going to go to vegan convenience foods. They're going to go to things like Beyond Burger Meat and vegan donuts and who knows what else. But what you really need to understand and to keep in your mind is that the springtime is the season to eat plants. Eat as many as you can fit in. Now, I would still eat animal foods with those plants because that's going to be better than just eating plants. But if you want to get more plants into your diet, do it in the spring because your body's prepared for those foods. And when I say prepared, I mean prepared on a cellular microbiome level. That's very different than eating something like tomatoes right now in the winter. Your body and your microbiome isn't prepared for these types of foods right now. It's just not. And you're not going to get the cellular response that you want out of those foods at this particular time. Now, if you're in the southern hemisphere right now, it's prime growing season. You're in the summer. You know, if I flew to Australia right now, I would be getting a lot more plants in my diet and eating what's in season because my body would be prepared almost instantly when I landed in Australia because I'm dealing with different environmental factors if I go to the southern hemisphere right now versus me sitting in California in the Northern Hemisphere right now. Do you see what I'm getting at? Because the environmental conditions change. You have to be in sync with the environmental conditions that you're currently in at this very moment and base your diet on those things. So these fad diets, whether it's plant-based or flexitarian or even carnivore that are really hyped up right now, you have to put them back into environmental context. I mean, and I've talked about this time and time again. Go back and listen to some previous episodes if you have questions about that, because it's covered in there, believe me. So don't get lost up in, in the hype of these new diets. Because for one, they're not new. They're just rebranded, and they may have a little twist on them. But plant-based is going to be pushed extremely hard, and already is. You're seeing plant-based commercials now, and advertising dollars are getting really funneled into those types of foods. But don't get caught up in it. If you want to eat plant fruit foods, know why you're eating plant foods, and eat plant foods for your health. Not because it's a cool thing to do, or you're getting some kind of peer pressure around it. That's a terrible reason to switch your diet. You have to base it in actual health. And believe me, these diets that are being perpetuated aren't based in actual health. They may try to suggest that it's based in health, but it's not actually based in real health. Because when your advice is to try to get the majority of the population to switch to three vegan meals a week, every week, all year long, that's bad advice. That's really bad advice. It's bad advice from a physiological and microbiome standpoint. But these guidelines get perpetuated because they're easy to understand, because there's no nuance. They're simple. But you don't want to follow a diet with no nuance and that's simple. It means it's not going to work, or worse yet, damaging and detrimental to your health. Newsflash, the body is complicated. A biological system has inherent extreme complexity to it, meaning that if you're really wanting to work within that system, the things that you use as food to keep that system regulated needs to have some complexity. You know, eating potatoes for 365 days a year is not going to end up going well for people or, you know, whatever it is. You know, same thing with, you know, something like veganism or even flexitarianism. Not the best advice. 
the best advice is to follow the season and follow the environment that's outside your door where you spend your time. And this is a concept that I'm just going to keep talking about over and over and over again until more people start to understand. That's what's going to give you longevity and health for your life and future generations. You know, if it's wintertime where you are right now, lean towards heavier protein. Leverage your protein. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere and it's summer, leverage what's in season. Leverage your vegetables and your fruits, things with heavier antioxidants in them, especially if you're spending time actually outside because you're going to be getting hit with tons of vitamin D and tons of UVB and your body's going to need those types of foods. If you base the majority of what you're eating off of the season that you're living in, you're going to be far better off and your body's going to be primed to receive those foods. And I'm not saying throwing in the occasional tomato in wintertime is going to be detrimental because that's just not true. But your body isn't going to be able to utilize that as effectively as it would in the summer because you don't need those particular nutrients because they're out of season. They're out of sync with the natural environment and your microbiome, which means the breakdown into metabolites isn't going to be as beneficial as it would be if you're eating foods that are actually in season. And that's kind of the rub to this whole thing is what you're utilizing is metabolites. That's what your cells use for energy. Your body needs to break down the food that you're consuming into first secondary metabolites so that you can utilize those things for energy. And if you're constantly eating foods that are out of season or that have very low nutritional value, something like convenience foods, then your body's going to have a harder time breaking those things down and it's going to contribute to poor metabolic health. What you do need is foods that are in season with your natural environment at any given moment. That's what you should be basing your diet off of. Root vegetables right now in the winter months are perfect. It's a perfect example. You know, things like turnips and carrots and beets can be leveraged along with a good amount of protein to bolster out the rest of your diet. You know, I often look at, you know, what's in season to fish, hunt, or forage because then you kind of have an idea of what you can kind of center your meals around. So right now, squid is in season for me. I'm going to leverage some squid in the coming months. You know, as the months continue, things shift. And it gives you variety and diversity, which is something I'm really big on. If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know exactly what I'm getting at. You want to increase your nutrient and species diversity as much as you possibly can. Because that feeds the microbiome and feeds that metabolite and metabolism breakdown. And the more you can increase your kingdom diversity, that's going to give you better opportunity to increase your species diversity. Which is something you're not going to get on a plant-based or even flexitarian fad diet. Or carnivore, for that matter. So understanding the intricacies of why you're eating the foods that you're eating is vitally important. Don't take anybody's word for it. Don't take my word for it. You gotta dig a little deeper and you have to have ancestral and seasonal ecology around the foods that you're eating because that's what makes sense and that that's what your body is going to have use for. If you're constantly eating a diet that doesn't center around ancestral practices and ecology, you're going to be lacking diversity and nutrients. And that's going to contribute overall to ill health. 
So back to these kind of fad diets, whether it's carnivore, flexitarian, plant-based, even Mediterranean. You think about those types of diets and those little buzzwords you've heard year after year. I mean, have you really thought about the different types of food? I mean, the quote-unquote Mediterranean diet, it could be extremely diverse, but in general, it's been leveraged for its use of herbs and plants. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you're eating a, kind of a, a wild or seasonally sustainable diet in the Mediterranean, it's going to be very, very different than what you're seeing as a quote-unquote Mediterranean diet in a cookbook or on a blog somewhere. It's going to be just as diverse as your own landscape. Now, if you're in a Mediterranean-type climate like I am, for example, then you can take some elements of that, but they still should be based in kind of natural ecology, you know? So if I go squid fishing or trout fishing or cod fishing, I'm going to use those elements. And yes, I can combine them with rosemary or thyme or oregano, you know, herbs from the actual Mediterranean that are native to the region, certainly. But I could just as easily in the spring go grab some wild mint and lemon balm and have that dried and utilize herbs that grow wild here, or at least feral. So really what I'm getting at is basing your diet off of another region across the world may not be the best idea. What's growing on your landscape is a question you should be asking yourself. And can you utilize it for nutrition? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you can utilize it for nutrition. There's food everywhere on your landscape if you understand what to look for. You know, I would love to see a diet come in as a strong fad for a diet and ecology and in your own bioregion ecology. Now that would be a diet. That would be a diet to really seek out and to understand. But that would be a diet that's really based in health and complexity. And it would be hard for people to really grasp because it's not as simple as recommending two or three vegan meals per week and calling it flexitarian, you know, or something as silly as eating the rainbow. You know, it would require thought and a little bit of work and strategy to accomplish a diet that's rooted in your individual ecology on where you live. It would require relationships with farmers at farmers markets or local farms near you. You know, that's how food was always procured. It was either grown yourself or you got it from local growers and farmers. You know, if you are a part of a CSA, that's a great way to get some local produce and protein. You know, you get boxes of local produce that's grown in your bioregion, shipped to your door. You know, they have seafood CSAs and rancher CSAs as well. You can piggyback on these things. There are ways to procure very seasonal foods that are in your region and grown in your region. That's going to set you up. It's going to take a lot of the guesswork out of your diet and whether or not you may or may not be getting good nutrition. But the bottom line to be asking yourself is, why am I eating the food that I'm eating? Am I eating it because it's easy and convenient and popular? Or am I eating it for actual health and longevity? And if you want to take that a couple steps further, is the food that I'm eating healthy and grown in an environment that's conducive to its genetics and its ecology? 
because your hydroponically grown lettuce that's grown with grow lights indoors is not a part of the environment. It's not going to have robust genetics because it's not fed from ecology. It's fed from isolation. That doesn't create healthy food, and it's not going to create a healthy version of you. Because just like your biology is complex and nuanced, so are other living organisms' biology. They need the environment just as much as you need the environment to be healthy. And if you're eating those organisms and species' body parts to increase your health and your cellular energy, you need that complexity of environment to be infused into your body. I know that's a bit abstract to kind of wrap your head around, but hydroponically grown vegetables, lettuces, radishes, whatever it is, is not going to be genetically robust and healthy as something that's grown in the real world, in the real environment, with real UVB and UVA and wind and rain. It's going to be genetically inferior, and ultimately, that's going to create an environment in your own biology that's genetically inferior. So being thoughtful about the types of genetics you're putting in your body is really important. If you're looking for true health and longevity in a diet, you have to think deeply about the food that you're putting in because that is going to create your body. So jumping on the bandwagon of veganism, flexitarian, plant-based, carnivore, whatever it is, it doesn't do much good. Not when there's larger questions at play and at hand that you have to contend with. It might help for a time, but it's not going to give you actual longevity. Diversity in kingdoms is going to lead to diversity in species. When you're looking at individual species, see how they were raised. Were they raised in a natural environment, or at least one that is conducive to their biology? If the answer is yes, you know generally they're going to be superior in their nutrition, and that's going to benefit you overall. That's how you should be basing your mindset when it comes to diet, nutrition, and food in the coming year. Base it in that, and you're going to be way better off than somebody who's eating some bell peppers and some hydroponically grown lettuce with some ranch dressing on it. Vegan ranch dressing, (laughs) if you're flexitarian. You see what I mean? It's a paradigm shift. It's a change of perspective, and it's time to view food for what it actually is. It's complex ecology that you're building your body from. You're building your body from complex genetics and ecology that come together to produce a healthy organism that you can eat and fuel your entire biology with. You need to integrate ecology and food together to really get the best version of yourself. If you can do that, then you're going to maintain good nutritional status through the entire year, and you won't have to worry about jumping from fad diet to fad diet to lose weight or to get over some type of sickness or disease because you'll have a good baseline. So again, know why you're eating the food that you're eating. Are you eating it because of popularity or are you eating it based on true ecology and health? Health for the species, genetics, and your genetic health. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. I will be back this next week. Get outside, eat a good species-varied five-kingdom diet, and I'll talk to you guys this next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a rating and review. This will ensure that people can find the podcast so that we can grow the audience, and it will help me secure guests for future episodes. If you have suggestions on what you want to hear on upcoming episodes, go to AncestralElements.com and leave me a comment. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and inputs and answer any questions that you may have. 